I was there. I don't have to listen to it. This week's show because it was a disaster. When you live in a beach resort, it's easy to forget whether you are playing or working. On each week's show, we settle in with a cocktail and try to figure out if there is a difference. This is Day Drinking on Delmarva. And I am Todd from GoodCleanFunLife.com. And I am Tony. I'm sorry. I am award-winning writer Tony Russo. No relation. <laughs> I've been meaning to do that for two weeks. And you're listening to Day Drinking on Delmarva, a podcast about life and culture. And now nostalgia on the Delmarva Peninsula. Todd drinks because he gets to live here. I drink because I have to live here. So much fun going on this week. Um, we're gonna add we're gonna add a new section where we're going to go through our photos. And for those of you listening, um, that don't worry about it. We're going to describe the pictures. And the pictures aren't as important as the stories that go with them. Mm-hmm. But um, Todd and I were talking earlier this week, and we've been taking pictures as a, taking photographs as a primary part of our livings, I mean, for 20 years. Yeah. And we've never, never once mentioned, we've never once said, hey, maybe if we talk about some of those photos we took, we'll have something interesting that people want to hear about. We wouldn't take 15 minutes at the beginning of the show to be like, what are, what did we do? Yeah. What what was that again? (laughs) So exactly. We will, we'll hopefully be starting closer to on time because we'll definitely have something to talk about. I'm really excited. I'm excited for this week's um, photo that I brought and. I'm excited for the one that I was looking for and couldn't find because I know that it's someplace and I think that'll make a fun show. Um, But let's get started. And before we get started, we always like to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor is the drinks that we are drinking as well as um, a local business that we're particularly proud of. So I'm going to start with the drink that I'm drinking and it is gin and flavored seltzer. I Mm. This is all right. So my wife gets this flavored seltzer with juice, which is apparently better than flavoring. I don't know. I genuinely don't genuine generally don't drink flavored seltzers, um, right. but this is uh, grapefruit. It tastes like uh, Fresca, <laughs> which is <laughs> fine, which is fine with me. If you put gin in um, grapefruit flavored seltzer, as long as it's juice flavored, I guess tastes like Fresca. So it's it's fine. Not my first choice, but we're all out of gas. I didn't know that there was a, a problem, but I ran out and bought, and I, did, I didn't run out. I, years ago, I got one of those uh, Soda Streams, uh-huh. and Soda Stream oh, changed yeah. the design. Mm-hmm. And those of us that have been using it for whatever, eight years or so, they're like, oh, well, screw you, buy another one. It's like, yeah. it's like Apple, except right. cheaper, but makes me angrier for some reason. <laughs> Because because they have no business uh, copying a tech giant's uh, success, yeah, success to the top by making by coming up with a new port every every year, right? And also, my wife isn't motivated to find a new solution because she really likes the flavored stuff. And yeah, oh, anyway. And how about you? What are you drinking? And can you tell us a little bit our about our sponsor? Our uh, my personal sponsor this week is uh, Bullet Bourbon. Uh, as I like to have with an ice cube. And uh, the business sponsor of this week is goodcleanfunlife.com. Maybe more specifically, GCFL Productions. Um, And talking about photos and what we've been doing for the better part of a decade, uh, or more than a decade, rather, uh, was founded by going out and taking 
taking photos. This was something that Natalie, my wife and I started shoot, 15 years ago, 2009. And this was, if, if you can remember way back to 2009, not everybody had an iPhone 12 or even an iPhone. I think the iPhone had just come out the year prior <clears throat> and going to events and bars specifically where there was just people hanging out, having a good time, seeing somebody with a camera was, was rather unusual. Right. Uh, we, we got some, uh, we got some hairy eyeballs from, uh, some, you know, patrons, some friends, some family that were concerned about what we were doing. We thought we were doing weird things. And here we are all this time later and it's our livelihood, our business and our passion. So suck it to all those people with the hairy <laughs> eyeballs. <laughs> One of the things that we were, I think we we had we had touched on it last week, um, but we we've we've talked about how you make uh, make videos. I wanted that is what my one cool thing is going to be, but I'm going to stick it in your commercial anyway. Mm. Um, I don't know if you saw that last last week. You mentioned um, that we were talking about uh, tag. We were talking about professional tag yep. and you said, well, they're really just making it for TikTok." Mm. And then or later in the week, Neiman lab, which is a, uh, which is like the, the Harvard um, journalism department right. um, put out, put out a story about how late night talk shows don't really care very much about listeners because everybody sees everything on TikTok anyway. And that's where they're, you know, yeah. TikTok and, and reels and stuff. So I thought it was thought it was really insightful for a person in the industry to yep. you know to be that's because I'm like this is stupid and you're like yeah it's stupid on television but <laughs> they still have to make it on television. Yeah. <laughs> me and uh, me and Neiman Labs, you know, we're, yeah. we're we got the mind meld going on. <laughs> but it, it, have you have you gotten much into that into doing the Instagram and TikToks for for increasingly when I'm looking at jobs I'm when I'm looking for work I see jobs for people and the idea is yes we want you to take our podcast yeah and we want you to chop it up into tiktok videos yeah and put it out so that's a thing that that's absolutely a thing and it's something that i haven't done for this podcast which is uh solely the reason we're we don't have the same listenership as uh mark Marin or joe rogan because we started the same time and that's what they right. do so that's that's the only difference uh no, I, I, I have dabbled with that, I, uh, you know, a lot. I, the, the reels format is basically uh, Instagram's version of TikTok. And uh, so it is a like it, in-app editor. And then the most amazing shift that is happening is, you know, you used to get kicked off of Facebook if there was a Warner Brothers right. uh, song playing in the background, uh, you know, and and now that is getting uh, now they're kind of succumbing to the fact that people are using 15, no more than a minute worth of uh, audio and and TikTok is very audio driven. So I, I it. It's it's been a good shift for that aspect of of my work and what I do and being able to have more freedom to uh, use recognizable sounds. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's uh, um, 
that that's where everything seems to be headed. I've I've even I've even loosened my position on vertical versus horizontal uh, versus landscape video. It is so difficult because I mean, are they going to really just have us turn our TVs sideways in another couple of years? Like, are we are we that lazy? I I I don't. I, so the one of the best things and one of the, why it was such a strong held belief for me was, you know, aesthetically a landscape. If you think about every major motion picture that has been made on anamorphic uh, format, you know, this is like a, it, it's a square sensor, but it so it gives this real breadth. Breadth is that I'm not saying it right. Yeah, but the D, the D is hard. It's breadth breadth and it's and it's <laughs> wide you know that's why they said wide angle that's why they have letterbox and it's and it you know it has and it mimics somebody said it best like you know our eyes are in land like horizontal right um, and our world is horizontal and our world is horizontal but our windows are vertical um our phones are are vertical and that's just the how things have evolved so I remember when Letterbox came out, my father was furious because he <laughs> just remembered everything being square. He's like, why is it? Why isn't it square? I'm like, you know, those movies you watch on television, you're not even seeing all of them. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the a lot of the classic movies had the had the movies uh, cut up so mm-hmm. that they would fit on television rather than have the television extended. <clears throat> but my. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a if complaint is is the right is the right way to say it, but every time I see something, that's a result of laziness. And I think mm-hmm. that I don't I don't for a second agree that it's anything. This isn't an aesthetic choice. This is a lazy choice. Mm-hmm. It's easier to hold your phone. Your phone's less likely to fall if you're holding it in your whole hand. Mm-hmm. And I had an epiphany earlier this week. Would you like me to tell you the <laughs> worst thing that happened in the 20th century? And yes. you're going to think that I'm undermining everything. Okay. And I'm not because it's going to sound trite. But and it, when you think about it, it's going to be a little depressing. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> Another uplifting show. The worst story of the 20th century was Sun Chips giving up on disposable on uh, recyclable bags because they were too loud. Do you know anything about this at all? Oh, no, I haven't heard this. No, this is, it might be a decade old. It might be seven years old, but it was just the more I think about it, the more insane. So sun chips, which is a a Frito-Lay company or Pepsi company or one of those conglomerates probably um, owned by Nestle put out a bag that um, biodegraded. So yeah. a potato chip bag that biodegrades. Sounds like a potato chip idea. bag that is not pollution. Mm-hmm. And six months later, they stopped doing it because people complained that the bags were too noisy. Yeah. And their sales went down. Uh. And as we wonder whether we're going to get flooded or drown, whether we're going to get drowned or burned to death. Um, we have to remember that as fat as we are, we still didn't want people to hear us eating potato chips and that's why the world ended. Yeah. And so every time there's, it's a convenience thing. Every time there's a convenience thing, 
that changes the culture or diminishes the culture. I'm very sensitive to it, which is yeah. why I hate vertical. Um, yeah. But I also don't work in the social media world. And if you want people to look at your stuff on TikTok, yeah. it's got to be vertical. Well, you and know? I think I think what will happen is I maybe this is a softer <laughs> uh observation as to as opposed to laziness there there's some form factor there you know you like screens uh phones got smaller and smaller and smaller until we could put video through them and now they're getting bigger and bigger and and the form factor of still being able to hold it in one hand and drive obviously you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) is 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 important and i think until that next stage where we go to like holographic um Right. Because if you you think about so, you know, first it was cinema, right? You had to go to a place and they were, you know, putting light onto a sensor that was probably square and, and, you know, and they, you know, big wide thing. And then the TV was invented. And just because of the the form factor and the technology around a TV, everything became square again. And then eventually got four, three. I want to disagree because cameras came before television and they used landscape settings (laughs) well no that's just my point that's just my point is like the accessibility that that was like it was cinema it was landscape Mm -hmm. and then tvs came and everything was i see everything was square again and eventually technology got better and now tvs got wide um i think i think the the borders of phones and or personal devices are whether they're like optics in your eyes uh, or your glasses or you know the holographic uh you know like you, you like tony stark type stuff mm-hmm. then then it, then we'll see that switch back to uh to the natural state of things which is landscape that that would that would make me happy i i I noticed I, I watched a video the other day and it actually edits it for you. If you don't, if it's a horizontal one and you're holding your phone vertical, it'll just show you what's in the middle of the screen. Yeah. It won't, it won't make it smaller. It, it kind of does kind of a self, uh, self fit to screen correcting kind of. So, and here's, here's my, um, here's my assessment or maybe the, you know, throw a wrench in the, in the discussion. Even I think, I think four three is actually the optimum. I think that will be it will be bigger, brighter. Like you talk about the the detail that you can get in a very small space, and that four three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's this is what Zack Snyder shot uh, um, his version of Justice League in, and so this is the IMAX kind of mm-hmm. experience, and that 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 is probably going to win out as the you know, the resolution of, of, of dominance. Yeah. Very I don't cool. know. I know. I'm, I'm so, I, I can't help but derail us. <laughs> so we sit and we plan a show. We yeah. start recording and I'm like, yeah, let's do something different anyway. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize to make, to take the first half of the show up again with Todd's <laughs> commercial <laughs> by over talking about what he does. Yeah. Um, each week we talk about one cool thing that happened to us because we work here or because we live here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go first because Todd is going to bring us into our new section with his one cool thing. My one cool thing is I wrote a book review. I, I mean, I am a, a medal winning author, silver medalist. 
Um, but also, I, I write book reviews, and if there's anything you'd like me to review, feel, feel free to send it along. But I wrote a review of a horrifying, wonderful, complex book called Gangsters versus Nazis. And it is the oh, story okay. of how the Jewish mob crushed the rise of Nazism in 1920s and 30s America. Um, mm. as, as a history student, I knew that there was a Nazi movement in America. And mm -hmm. I also knew that it was, it was a little touch and go, especially in a lot of places, because it was during the Depression and people were looking for, you know, looking for answers and people were out of work and all of these things. It was hard times. Um, I did not know the lengths to which the Jewish community went to crush Nazism mm. in, well, in America, or as I say, to drive it back into their basements until the internet was invented. Mm -hmm. um, but do you know the name Meyer Lansky? I don't. Okay. Meyer Lansky is one of the most famous gangsters um, one of the easily the most famous Jewish gangster, except maybe Bugsy Siegel, people may have heard of as well. Sure. But Meyer Lansky designed what would become the mob system. And so this whole idea of um, like he kind of invented Las Vegas and that that kind of thing, like he was the he was the numbers guy. So he did a lot of the gambling, but he was also a headbreaker and a violent, vicious, awful, awful person. But uh, he was also anti-Nazi. And there was a judge in New York, and a judge. He was an assemblyman, and then he became a judge. And he noticed that the Nazis were using their freedom of speech to gain popularity. And Jeez. he's also getting letters, like many Jews were, from the old country. Now, most non-Jewish Americans didn't have any idea what was going on with rounding up the Jews until late in the thirties until yeah. almost the forties, but Jewish people who are getting letters, like they took the neighbors last week, you know, yeah. or I'll write next week and then I never hear from anybody again. So they know that the Nazis are Jew are, are disappearing Jews in America. And they knew that the Nazis started in the twenties with, you know, the bear hall push and all of that with, uh, with Hitler just kind of, seizing power, uh, winning an election, and then seizing power illegally, but then making it legal. And they did it through having these rallies and through recruiting children and all of these things. Um, so he sees it going on. In the, all, all very pertinent in, in today's well, landscape. Oh, oh it's, get, it's about to get worse, right? Oh, because he sees it and there's nothing he can do about it. There's nothing, there's no legal way mm -hmm. to stop the Nazis from recruiting there still isn't so he gets on the phone and he starts calling murderers that he knows are jewish <laughs> like meyer lansky bugsy siegel all these guys and he says listen we have a problem i can't solve it legally right i need you to fix this otherwise they're going to start rounding up jews and there won't be anything we can do about it until it's too late yeah. and meyer lansky is like well i love breaking heads i have no compunction about it and so there was a if you want to talk about the jewish conspiracy this is the jewish conspiracy so the judge starts recruiting mobsters and rabbis because while he doesn't mind 
taking away the Nazis' First Amendment rights. He doesn't want them killed. He doesn't want to violate the biblical prohibition against murder. So uh-huh. the, the rabbis come on board as a kind of a, like, remember, no murder. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the judge starts telling them where Nazi rallies are, and the mob shows up and just starts grabbing guys and punching them, like literally beating Nazis, throwing them out the window. I mean, is and that where the whole punch a Nazi, is, you know? Co- no, I think I think it's just a weird coincidence because <laughs> I, I thought of that. I think it's just a weird coincidence. But okay. these guys would show up and. A, Let's say there are 50, and so let's say there are 15, right? 15 professional thugs could probably take 50 drunken Nazis. They would wait for them mm-hmm. to start their rally and mm-hmm. to get drunk, and then they would go in there with baseball bats and mm-hmm. brass knuckles, and they would send people to hospitals. And so the Nazis kept trying to have, like, secret meetings, and word would get out, and the mob would show up and beat these guys you know, eventually all the leaders ended up turned out to be, you know, frauds and liars and criminals and went to jail on other trumped up charges, um, you know, by the by the U.S. government, who was also trying to fight the Nazis, but couldn't do it legally. Uh, right. But it was absolutely fascinating. The most fascinating passage of the book. And if you're a young author, writer, a young what's it called? Y.A.? Young adult author. Oh, young adult. Here yeah. is a free book idea because I'm never going to write this book. But in New York in the 1930s, the Nazis established a youth camp working with the mob. The police department sent their kids to the camp undercover. So you got these Irish cops. <laughs> with blonde kids sending their blonde kids to Nazi camp. And then the kids would just go to camp and come home and say, yeah, we learned this today. Yeah, we learned that today. So undercover, undercover Irish kids in Nazi training camps in New York. How is that not already a movie? Like, I, I right. If this isn't a movie by, by the end of next year, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because it is compelling, compelling stuff. Um, so I already told you buy the book. Definitely. If you want to read the review, you can go to a bagel manifesto.com and it's, it's the post up there right now. And of course I, uh, I also wrote the review on bookshopblog.com where you can find that. And what is your one cool thing? And then let's move into the picture section of the evening. I think, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start with my picture, uh, which if you're watching online, uh, is a nice picture of the Cavalier in Virginia Beach. And because we live here and because we live at the beach, sometimes you have to get away to a different beach to uh, to enjoy yourself. And uh, we actually didn't stay at the Cavalier, but this is now part of a whole uh, resort area at you know the, the what they call the north end of Virginia Beach. And we have no clients down there. We stayed at a wonderful Marriott that has recent been recently been renovated, and this was exactly across the street. And we could have breakfast there. It was it, it was a beautiful place, and I think because I am now uh, of the age where I 
I can only like get obsessed over like World War II stuff or like random history. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I, I, I consumed the picture book that was in the hotel. And now I can, I, I can easily say that I'm expert on the Cavalier because I looked at this picture book for all of 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> and um, so what, it, what are some fun facts about the Cavalier? So the some fun facts about the Cavalier, which also ties into uh, day drinking on Del Marva, is that it's uh, one of the only hotels that has a distillery in it. Ah, and it was built originally not that long ago, at least by Berlin standards. It was in the it was in the ni- uh, eighteen, I'm sorry, the nineteen twenties when it was originally built. And I'm like, oh, my house is older than that. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, it was uh, home to uh, or, uh, you know, visited by a number of presidents, uh, everyone from Jimmy Carter to Nixon and and uh, and on back. It, you know, uh, it had a beach club where Cab Calloway, Duke Ellington and Ella Fitzgerald would play like on the beach and there was a dance floor built on the beach uh, wow. and, and that sort of thing. But uh, one of the most, one of the most interesting things talking about the distillery uh, it was this, this whole property was refurbished in uh, like uh, between 2015 and 20, uh, 2018. Um, so it's all still pretty new as, as it is. But they have a hunt room, and a hunt the hunt room is is very much the you know the Annapolis style bar, you know, kind of a public house, big fireplace. This is where everyone would go, and they would drink the bourbon and that sort of thing. Uh, and then the the big rumor is is that Nixon enjoyed and enjoyed going here, and uh, this big fireplace is rumored to be where he maybe tossed a couple of uh, important tapes ah. that, that he didn't want anybody else to, to find out about. So, so yeah, so the story would be uh, a, a president in peril going to a, a lavish place at the beach, taking things that he shouldn't uh, take and uh, disposing them in, in the, in the fireplace, right. Adjacent to, uh, the the distillery, so the distillery they make uh, bourbon uh, and other things. I only had the bourbon. Oh, so is it uh, is it an old distillery? Is it called Cavalier Distillery? What's the? It's called. Uh, well, it's been rebranded as the Tarnished Truth. So uh, I think it's all pretty pretty small batch. They have it there on on the uh, uh, you know on the resort area that leads all the way over to the beach, but. Um, but the distillery did; they did install a distillery uh, at the time of its construction. If you're looking at the picture, in 1926 is the cornerstone. Right, oh. uh, a nice picture of the cornerstone. Um, and it's an, but, it's uh, an interesting angle too. But you're always good at that. Yeah, I, I did the nice wide angle. Um, so it was fun, and you know, and I, I think that. Uh, we're about to enter into our, our very busy season. Um, and it's important to like this little slip away to Virginia beach for us was only two hours away mm-hmm. from ocean city. And, uh, you know, 
we've had some crappy weather, but we got down there and it just happened to turn. So it seemed like we were in Florida or <laughs> Hawaii. Right. Like it just seemed someplace like we were, we, we were someplace much more tropical. Uh, but it was, it, it was cool. And I don't know, I, I got pretty, uh, uh, pretty connected with the the history and, and everything that's, that's gone up, uh, uh, and, and stories about it. So that, that was very, my one cool thing. That 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 is very cool, and it was also your 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 nostalgia picture. Even though it was, uh, what is uh, there's a um, there's a joke about you know now we're nostalgic for two minutes ago because we have <laughs> te- we have cameras on our phones. Mine is an older photo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a photo of a very enthusiastic man, very enthusiastically playing his guitar, and a woman. Um, who seems to be holding a tarp of some sort in front of him. Um, the right. man is playing on the Avery hall readers stage. And this was um, a failed event called the book something or other. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, some, it was, it was held by NPR. Uh, well, by the local, by, by WSDL um, back when I was on it uh, with Stephanie doing, um, doing the so what's your story podcast and they convinced us to come out there and there was a book sale and there was all sorts of like literary things it was like happy book day i can't think of the name of it but it was a massive massive failure um a failure in that nobody came you know it was just I don't remember. I feel like it was too hot and too windy and also in Salisbury. And <laughs> the picture looks very windy. Yeah. Well, if, certainly, if I were to describe the picture in, in weather terms. <laughs> well, we had a tent uh, that kept blowing down. Um, but Stephanie and I went around and we did some interviews and we got a show out of it. But this guy, I he genuinely was enjoying himself and he was good. What you cannot tell. So... It's an it's an older guy. He looks like he's probably in his mid sixties. He's got all he's all gray. He's got a gray goatee, even grayer than mine. He's got a hot pink electric guitar, yeah. and he is rocking out. Mm-hmm. And what's not clear from the photo is that he is rocking out playing children's music. And he has a he has a microphone that comes around his head. You know, one of those head strap on microphones, so he could walk right. around. And he is having such a good time. The photo is cropped oddly so that it contains the porta potty, but not the crowd, because there were only three children sitting there. And yeah. I felt so awful for this guy. Um, and then the more I, I, I've seen this picture several times in the past, because I'm always looking to grab something. And every time I look at it, I feel a little bit better because he is very zen. He is doing what he loves. Yeah. Whether yeah. there's 10 million people, you know, when you say, when people say, I can't, I could never go out in front of a hundred million people. And it's like, well, then you don't love what you do enough. Cause this guy is behaving as if he were in front of a hundred million people, the same way he behaves when he's in front of six kids who are right. the, the thing that the lady is holding. And it's hard to see. It's a green and red, it looks parachutey. What it is is it's one of those crawl through tunnels. Right. So she's trying to hold up the crawl through tunnel so the kids can play in it. And this guy is playing to nobody. And it's windy 
And so if you're right in front of them, it's unbearably loud. And from 40 feet away, it looks like he's not playing at all. Um, but just yeah. the whole idea of him suffering through this and what a great job he was doing and how depressing it is that Salisbury just, you know, <laughs> is just it's it's just a failure as a town. You know, they're doing all sorts of cool. Why things. do you have to be? Why do you have to be so Salisbury Salisbury? Yeah, it's it's. You know, I, I follow the mayor, Jake Day, on Twitter, and he's like, mm -hmm. and we're building yachts, and we're building this, and we have a new building. And, like, how come no one ever leaves the building and does anything interesting? Yeah. You know, yeah. there are – there are uh, the restaurant situation is improving, but but events like this at the library, dead. You know, the college does college things, and that's all. And I have a bias that I mentioned in my recent Bagel Manifesto podcast um, against Southerners because um, of the whole <laughs> slavery thing. And I look around and I only see the segregation here. And I might even be making some of it up. Like, yeah. I don't know how much of it is, is just my bias and how much of it is real. But for me, I look at places and I'm like, they would rather have failure than black people. And mm -hmm. that's how I feel about Salisbury. I feel yeah. like, you know, all the all the kids come and when you when you hear the kids parents, you know, talk like, you know, is it safe to come downtown? I heard that Salisbury wasn't safe and safe is a upper middle class white person's um assessment of how whether there are black people there or not yeah, yeah. like you know are you going to have to deal with black people because if you are i don't want you to leave the campus well there are black people on campus yeah but they're the okay kind of black people who can go to college i don't want you around the non-college black people whoever they may be you know it's right. it's 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 depressing and i i'm sorry you that's again i didn't get drunk enough i i spent too much time talking and not enough time drinking <laughs> And so I, I I found a way to bring it down even more. There's and good people there. I'll say this: there are good people in Salisbury. They they just need that tipping point, right? Just, I mean, it's, but I've been saying it for years. It was it's funny because I was interested for a long time in moving to Cumberland, which mm -hmm. I absolutely love. And I was talking yep. to a friend who lives near Cumberland, and I'm like, it's got to happen. And this friend's like. We've been saying that for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not happening. You know, yeah. yes, they have an art scene, but it doesn't ever take. And yes, they have, but it doesn't ever take. And that's what I feel about Salisbury. It's just not gelling in any yeah. kind of meaningful way. Maybe in another decade, maybe, maybe once, you know, if we ever make it illegal to be openly racist. Um, otherwise we're going to need the mob to come. There's no mob. So no one's punching Nazis today. That's what we need in Salisbury is the mob, the Jewish, a good, mob. a good Jewish mob to a nice you Jewish know, mob, a nice Jewish mob. And, and things would, yeah, things would work themselves out. I'm, I'm quite sure of it. Why couldn't you join a nice Jewish mob? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be the title of this episode. <laughs> I love it. We are up against it. We ran a little long. Thank you for staying with us. Please check in next week. If you like the show, make sure you say something to somebody about it because maybe they would like it too. And um, I'm a lot of things to say. How about you? I got nothing. All right. Well, until next time, remember at the beach. It's happy hour whenever you say this.
Day Drinking on Delmarva with Todd DeHart and Tony Russo is produced weekly, mostly by dumb luck. You can join them Wednesday afternoons or find them online at daydrinkingondelmarva.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll check back in with you next week.